I'm here with Parker Arand. Parker, welcome to the Jack Insider. Thank you, thank you. It's nice to be here. Now you're you're one of the guys. You're one of the guys that went to El Salvador. Yes, sir. We had a whole bunch go to El Salvador this past summer. Yeah, and three teams. We haven't had any of you on the podcast to talk about it. And as the scheduling went, you just happened to be the first one. Yeah. So here you are. <laughs> Tell me, which week did you go? I was in team three, so that would be week three, yeah. The last week. Uh-huh. So do you feel like you built from those first two teams? Like they, they were used to having teams there, and then when you showed up, you weren't like breaking ground, but maybe the garden had already been tilled over a few times. You know, I felt like each team had different things that they really focused on. I felt like, yes, partially for sure. Like they definitely like tenderized the meat per se. I feel like we like, we had a different focus. We were really, really hardcore focused on relationship for sure. Especially with like the team members. It was really, really interesting to see like, they had already been through a ton of teams. Like even before our two teams, they had a ton of teams with like maybe half a day break before the next team was coming in. So like we, especially the older uh, leaders really got the chance to like love and bless and like de-stress the leaders like that. That's one of, that was one of our bigger focuses. Okay. So not everybody at community Heights knows you, Parker. Correct. Tell us just a little bit about yourself, how long you've been at the church, who your parents are, who your siblings are, things like that. Uh, well, I've been in the church since I was in sixth or seventh grade. Uh, I'm a senior in high school right now. My parents are Paul and Michelle Rand. Dad used to be the prayer coordinator. Uh, I'm sure plenty of people uh, have met him. <laughs> Uh, and my brother's Philip. He's a youth group leader right now. My sister's Micah. She was a youth group leader, but now she's a missionary in Haiti. Okay. Then I got another brother, Paul. He's in Texas right now. So is Paul the oldest one? Yes, he is. And I'm the youngest. So Paul must be, is he a junior? He is in college. No, 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 no. His name is Paul and your dad's name is Paul. Yeah. Yeah. He's come on. You gotta be quicker than that, Parker. (laughs) Come on. (laughs) Yeah. He, uh, we call him Buddy, though. He's never liked the he ne- he never liked bu- uh, Junior. So and he doesn't like Paul. That's I'm what sure most he be- goes by. Yeah, Paul he now goes that he's by left Paul. Home. But like, we just know him as Buddy. I wouldn't know if he likes or dislikes Paul. So you're the baby of the family. <laughs> I am three yeah. boys and one girl. Mm-hmm. Just like my family. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Cool. That is cool. Parker, when did you decide to go to El Salvador? What what made you take that step? So when I heard about it, I knew it was expensive. Like I heard like the first one, the first El Salvador meet thing was like three grand. I was like, well, I want to go, but your boy doesn't have that. Like I can't afford that. Pretty much as soon as I heard it wasn't nearly going to be as expensive as that, I signed up. And I think it was like the last week that you could sign up. So it was a pretty quick like decision. I talked to my parents. I prayed about it. I got all through that, and then I was on. I was on the board. And you had some friends that went with you in that particular week. Yes, uh, I was going to go the first week actually because I didn't know Elijah Sander for sure was going to go. So I was going to go the first week because Abby Ambrosian was going that week. Then I found out Elijah was going. And I'm like, well, I can't ditch Elijah. So I went on week three with him, and he was the only person that I knew personally on the trip besides, I mean, John and Mary. Have you ever flown out of the country before? Out of the country, no. That was my first time being out of country. And what was it like? What was it like landing in San Salvador and being in a in a culture that did not speak English? 
landing was kind of cool. Like just seeing everything. It was not what I expected at all. I thought it was going to be a rainforest to yeah. be honest. Yeah. I thought there was going to be no people and it was just going to be like a rainforest and we we're going to like, you thought you were going to go into this Aboriginal tribe. Yeah. That's just right? because like, I've never, I never like knew what to expect. It'd be like going to like a big city in Africa and like you expect them all to be like, in huts and whatnot, yeah. and you actually see buildings. That's right. kind of like right. what I was expecting, but a rainforest instead of Africa. You know, and so San Salvador is a city. It's a big. It's city. a huge city. It re- it's way bigger than Des Moines. Yeah, it's big. The ministry location where you were at, did you feel like it was in in the inner city part of the city? Was it on the edge? Was it in a suburb? It was definitely an inner city. Uh, that's for sure. We were. I mean, I don't like no everything about the city but we're definitely inner city san salvador the capital yeah like we walked to an ice cream shop a big ice cream shop is that like the definition of a large inner city <laughs> you can just walk to an ice cream shop i can i can walk to uh what is it uh the one across from the the um cardinal Firehouse. corner cardinal, i can walk to cardinal corner we're not in a big city that's true that's true no <laughs> like it we weren't around country unless you had drove out of the so city so what was it like being around the Spanish-speaking culture. You know, I thought it was going to be really difficult, but it, for me personally, it wasn't. And I, I kind of feel bad saying that because I know a lot of people had problems with it, but like, I honestly did not have a huge problem with the language barrier. Why? Could you speak it? Had you taken Spanish in school? No, I barely know C and Uno. Oh, really? I did not know anything whatsoever. So that was kind of hard. But on the other hand, like, it was easy to get the personal relationships like our driver Antonio he was such a fun guy and he'd mess around with us all the time he didn't speak very much English at all but he was so easy to connect with just because there were there's so many other things you can do besides speak to have relationships name with one people give me one joking around like sticking an ice cube down your shirt okay that happened getting papooses across the street that was that was big fun what's a papoose a papusa is uh or a papusa. Papusa. It's kind of like it's this pocket of yumminess. Like it's kind of like um it's made with either rice flour or corn flour and it's got cheese traditionally cheese, beans, uh and pork, I believe. Uh but you can get other stuff like I got a cheese and jalapeno one. Uh we went to like a La Cabana type uh restaurant at yeah. first. That was up in the mountains when we went up hiking. And we got papooses there because, like, they said the food was safe because we had to ha- everything that we ate had to be tested. Otherwise, we could get, like, some real nasty stuff happen to our stomach. Okay. Yeah. A few nights they had, like, this papusa party thing across the street. And we're like, we want some papusas. So yeah. uh, Jimmy and I, uh, he was on our team. We went over there and we got papusas. And, well, maybe I just have a stomach of steel, but everything ended up fine. And was Jimmy a Spanish speaker in the culture, or was he a part of our team? He was a part of our team. I mean, he spoke a little bit of Spanish, but... Jimmy who? You know, I don't know his last name. He's a bigger guy. Really, really nice. He was a lot, of fun to, a lot of fun to be around and work with. So you went across the street, and you got the papusas. Yeah. And, but you, were, you connected that to things you could do with somebody that didn't speak their language, but you could yeah. still do. Food was pretty pretty important in their culture and food is important to me i'm a foodie i adore food like every morning we would have something and we no matter what we had we would have fresh fruit like fresh pineapple that out of this world pineapple 
Uh, but like food was kind of like a gathering and a party almost like it was just a big social thing. So when you pass a plate of something to somebody after you've just taken something and you give it to them and you make eye contact with them and you smile yeah, and you raise your eyebrows like this is going to be really good. <laughs> that's kind of a. That's that's like a social way to connect with people yeah. for sure. Yeah. yeah. So when you got there, what was the first thing you did that first day? So you guys landed. Mm-hmm. So who picked you up? Did Pastor John pick you up at the airport? Yes. Uh, so Pastor John had just finished getting all the other team, team two, like ready to go. And then he uh, ran over to us. Pastor John obviously wasn't with us while we were coming. And how long was the drive back to where you were going? Uh, it was a good hour and a half, I think. Okay. An hour to an hour and a half. We uh, finished watching a really crappy movie in the bus because they had like a big TV and stuff. Yeah. I slept through it because it was, it was a bad so movie. So was this a public transportation? Um, no, Antonio, the driver, he drove, but like they rented the van. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So Pastor John used Antonio to drive. Yes. Because you need, you, you needed need... to know the land to okay. drive. Yeah. It, in America, we would call them awful drivers, but like you did what you had to. And that's just like what it's the normal down so there. So even though it was a big city, it's just a little different in terms yes. of transportation. Transportation was a lot different. The... The driving, like, here we have designated right-of-way and all of that, and, like, we have, like, normal rules of the road. There, no. Hmm. (laughs) If you can go, you go. And if you can pass someone, you pass someone. And there were people, like, walking on the streets as you were parked selling stuff. That was kind of cool. It's like you could get all of your grocery shopping done on the way home, basically. (laughs) So they just walk. If you stop at a light, they just walk up to the car. Yeah, and ask if you want bananas or something like that. Yeah, they had, they would have like a huge stick, like with bananas on it. It's pretty cool. So when you got to where you were going, what did you guys do that first night? That first night, I think we had a worship session, and we uh, we kind of like just introduced to the team members that were there. Uh, Andrea, I believe that was her name, was our like team leader, and she introduced herself to us and gave us a few basic rules of like dress wear, what to dress the next day and stuff like that. Because we got there on, we got there on a Saturday night and we were going to have church the next morning. It was, it was mainly just like getting settled because we had just like gone through a really long travel day. So we were tired and we got there at night. We didn't get to the building till like 1130 at night there. Okay. Okay. So when Monday hit, and you guys had your like regular Monday through Friday. Mm-hmm. Um, I think what, you know, when I was taking uh, students years ago on a missions trip, I learned an answer that I had to, to give often. And in fact, I, I shortened it to one word and that word was unknown. So when students would say to me, Oh, Pastor Jeff, what time are we going to, I'd say unknown. And they'd say, well, are we going to, are we going to be able to do such and such tomorrow? I'd say unknown. It got to the point to where they would be in the middle of asking me a question. They would say, oh, uh, I know, unknown. <laughs> I said, yeah, stopped. it's, un- you got to go with the flow because things are going to change. Yeah. Things that are outside of our control are going to change. Mm-hmm. And I think that's 
kind of what happened yes right at the beginning of your week even we had to be uber flexible just not just the beginning of the week and the rest of the week like i don't think we ever had a set plan and if we did it definitely changed within the next two hours yeah Yeah. uh monday was when john got sick he had some stuff happen to his eye and he had to we were like kind of freaking out because we were like oh great we're gonna lose our leader he's gonna have to be flighted out that's no that's no bueno right no bueno yeah (laughs) see (laughs) we be in with the lengua (laughs) yeah so what time did he leave that day um i don't think he left until the next day like he had to uh they weren't able to get a ticket until the next day i think they left like mid-afternoon or something like that okay i think they ended up landing sometime the next night so what did the team do together to kind of see john off i mean was there was there ever uh was there ever a team like gathering before john left or did you pray for him or we prayed for him uh as soon as we found out we prayed for him uh because we had to let the they they had to let the team know hey this is what's going on we're gonna get him out as soon as possible uh it could either be this or it could be this and if it's this he'll be fine as soon as he gets up there but if it's this to be praying hardcore either way yeah. Uh so we prayed that night and then when he left I think we had a like shooing a goodbye, you know, yeah. and we prayed then and then he was off. Yeah. So he got back and got treated quickly and the rest is history. And then we didn't see him until uh when we got back in Des Moines, he picked us up. Right. He picked you up and he was driving. Yep. And you figured everything was okay. Yes. Well, he told us because we were like, hey, you're back and you're yeah. A-OK. We had gotten some updates, but like obviously getting an update over text and talking to someone about what happened is two different right. things. Right. So what was the impact of him being gone then? Was it was it harder? You know, I think, and this is like, we were the perfect team for him to leave. Hmm. Okay. We worked so well together and we just got stuff done. Like uh, Josh was kind of like our head. Yeah. He became, he stepped in the role of like being our leader, but he never had to do leadery things, you know, like we just got stuff done. Yeah. If something needed done, it was done within the next, however long it took. Yeah. Josh is kind of like that. He's yeah, a, he is. he's a quiet behind the scenes leader, mm-hmm. but, but he's a pusher. He pushes things along and he enables people to get things done. Yeah. Which is a lot what he does on his job. Mm-hmm. down in Pella, but it's what what he does here as well. You know, he's he helps us on Wednesday nights. He with the stuff that he gets done, nobody really knows he gets it done. Yeah. Because he's like moving people around and, and motivating people. Kind of like and the master puppeteer. He a little bit. A little bit. <laughs> I don't know that he would call it that. But no, and it was you know, God knew mm-hmm. that he and Teresa needed to be together down there that week. Uh, he knew that John was going to maybe be moving out and uh, he provided there. So give me two or three things, major things that you feel like that your team accomplished that week. Uh, so two guys helped out with the residents. They had some stuff at the, at their house that they had to fix. I'm not a hundred percent sure what everything was. I went over there a couple times just cause I needed to like walk and they were like two city blocks away. So okay. I figured, Oh, that's gonna be a nice walk. I'm not 100% sure of everything they did. I know they, like, replaced a toilet seat. Okay. But I know they did a lot more than that because yeah. they were, like, working the whole week on okay. the, on the uh, residence house. And whose residence was that? 
Uh, or that, were there residents plural that lived there? Residents plural. So okay. there were two of them were there, uh, had a two year commitment, and one of them had a one year commitment. So part of our team was skilled in handyman stuff, and just did did a bunch of stuff at yeah. their place. Okay, how about something else that, that was accomplished? So another big thing that we were um, really focused on was La Fuente, which was their after-school program. Uh, And that was like, we got a lot of different things accomplished with La Fuente. We would, a couple of us, whoever had the right gifts would help out with like English class or something like that. Other people would help out with stuff like relationships, like just like getting to know some of the kids, you know. Uh, I would say that would definitely be like the biggest thing, at least personally from what i experienced the biggest thing that we were doing was helping out with la fuente and la fuente is what la fuente it's their after school program so the gangs are really really big in el salvador the two big gangs are like ms13 and 18th street they really a lot of these kids are in single parent homes uh usually it's just a mom and their mom's working all day. Like their school ends at about 12 o'clock in the uh, afternoon and their parents are still working past that. That's usually where the gangs like to like get them involved with more gangy stuff, (laughs) if that makes sense. So La Fuente is kind of like to help buffer that. La Fuente starts at one o'clock and then it lasts until I think it was four or five. So it's basically a big after school program. Yeah. For students to get involved in. What is age range? Age range, you know, it ranged anywhere between middle schoolers. There was a girl that was like 22, I believe, that was in the program. Most of them were like, I'd say 15 or 16. So the gangs give them a place to belong. Yes. Right? Yeah. And gangs are probably involved in some criminal activity. I mean, a little little bit. You can say that. (laughs) Maybe drugs. I believe the biggest thing that the gangs down there were were like they were networking like they controlled all the buses and stuff like that i remember one of the interns told me about a story where they they just shut down all the buses they said if you're gonna drive we're gonna kill you and three buses were like well we don't have to listen to you and sure enough three buses got shot up so they they're kind of like uh a 70s style mobster kind of deal they just they control the city okay and they control it by continually bringing new, fresh, young people correct into their ranks, which is an interesting thing sociologically. I mean, yeah. we want to do that as a church. Mm-hmm. We want to train our young people. We want to bring them in. We want to, in a sense, indoctrinate them right with, with truth from yeah. God and from his word. We're like and, a Jesus gang. Right. right. No, <laughs> no, really, really it is. And the kids find a place to belong. And so what Tony and the ministry down there is doing, La Fuente is giving them a place, a different place yeah. to belong, a different purpose and a different reason. So uh, El Salvador as a culture, would you say it's more or less relational than here? It's way more relational and not just like, not just that, but it's way more interpersonal relational, like face to face. So I think you're just saying that. I think it's just like, like popular to say, (laughs) pop psychology to say, oh yeah, uh, South America and Central America, they're just so much more relational. I think they're just saying it. Tell me, prove it to me. Tell me how. They're relational in a different way. Like we're, we're, we're very like connected 
through the internet and whatnot. And we're relational, relational in that way, but the internet isn't as big of a deal down there. Right. Like we had Wi-Fi, but it wasn't very good. So most of us just like weren't on it. And most of the kids there weren't like social media network heads, you know? Yeah. It was very face to face, uh, personal, which creates like, it's more intimate. If that makes sense. You mean the way I grew up as a kid? The rate, yeah, basically. <laughs> when there was no internet. When there was no internet. Even yeah. when I was having my first few kids, there was no internet. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Basically. So how else is it? Okay, so there's less use of the internet. Yeah. Come on, that's not all. Why why do you say it's more relationship based? I mean, people people just lean on each other down there. Like if you have something and they ask for it, it's normal for the they just share everything, you know, like they share food, they share all their stuff. Like, I don't know how to put it. <laughs> really? Know? Yeah. And maybe, is it cause maybe they live in a city? Maybe it's not yeah. the culture. It's just because it's city. They're all close to each other. Like okay. the, the houses are jam packed and they put houses everywhere they can. Like you could see houses like built on the side of mountains, like stuff you only see in movies kind of deal. Yeah. It's really cool. Hmm. So experiencing that kind of a culture, how did you feel coming back? What did you think about re reconnecting in your own culture? What were some things you wanted to bring back with you and you wanted to not forget? You know, I had the largest amount of culture shock coming back. I, I expected to have culture shock going into it, but I really didn't. Mm -hmm. Like the biggest shock to me was just like being around people seven days a week, 24 seven, you know? Yeah. But there was a huge amount of shock coming back. I was like, I felt, honestly, I felt heartbroken coming back because I wanted to stay. I wanted to continue the work that was being done. Honestly, some of the biggest things that I wanted to bring back was just like, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a tech head. I'm not going to lie. Like I'm huge into technology and internet and whatnot. Personally, I wanted to bring back a not so dependent mind on that, you know? So you kind of got unplugged then. Yes. And you realized that you could actually live unplugged and life <laughs> yeah. still went on. And there was maybe, was there, now I don't want to put words in your mouth, but Go was ahead. there a kind of a part of it that was, it was kind of nice? So I was actually extremely excited to be unplugged going in. Like when I learned that they had Wi-Fi at the place, I'm like, I'm not going to use it. I can't, I came down here for this specific purpose and I don't want to get distracted by other things that are going on back home. I just wanted, I wanted to be unplugged. Honestly, it was very, very refreshing. That's cool. That's cool. So last thing I want you to talk to me about the relationships on the team. Yeah. So you had what, about 10 team members? Um, yeah, I think so. Give or take one or two. Yeah. And how many did you know? Well, going into it? One. Just one. I knew Josh and Teresa, but not like very well. Yep. Whereas Elijah, very good friend of mine. So you knew Elijah Sander, you guys are buds, and that was about it. Mm -hmm. Did you get to know the other people on the team? Very well. Very, very well. I got to know Tammy really well. I got to know Jimmy really well. I got to know Josh and Teresa even more. Uh, when John was there and when Mary was there, I got to know them more. It was pretty cool. So coming back, have you had interaction with any of those people? Josh and Teresa, I see them quite a lot because they're on worship team. I'm on tech team, so we okay. cross paths a lot. Obviously, I see Elijah a lot. Uh, I've seen Jimmy once. Okay, so if you but if you see these people, there's a connection now. Yeah, right. Yeah. There's a shared experience. Mm -hmm. 
And there's something about you. Did you guys? Did the guys all sleep in kind of the same area? Yes. So we had a room for the guys, and we had a room for the girls. Okay. With bunk beds and whatnot. So there's something about living together, going to sleep together, waking up together, having meals together, that you get to know people. Unlike a whole year of Sundays coming into the same building yeah, through a worship service, for sure. Right. I've learned and got to know them more in one week than I have multiple years going yeah. to the same church. Yeah, it's true. It's true. So if you're listening and you've never been on a missions trip, we, this in the coming months and years are hopefully going to offer a lot of opportunities to be involved on missions trips. And it doesn't just have to be to a foreign country. It can be, it can be across the street. It can be wherever we had last year. Now we're not doing uh, reach out this year. We did reach out last year. I got to know some of the folks just doing reach out for an afternoon yeah. that I would not have known. Right. But anytime you have a shared experience and a work project or some kind of a service experience with people, you get to know them better. For so sure. For sure. You think you'll ever be in uh, El Salvador again? I hope. I really do hope. I fell in love with the city. And like just doing this missions trip, I've learned that I really, really adore travel. And I learn, I love learning about other cultures and experiencing other cultures. But I really hope I find myself in San Salvador again. Good. Good. Well, I'm glad you feel that way. Other, otherwise, you'd be a boring person. <laughs> yeah. I don't think anything different is at all exciting. Also, <laughs> it's just the same. It's just the same. That's no. cool. That's cool. Well, Parker, thank you for going on that trip. Absolutely. I'm glad that uh, thank you for our church facilitating yeah, had that opportunity. Uh, I want to thank Pastor John and Mary. They're really the ones that yeah. were uh, a lot involved in that. And uh, great. Parker, thanks for being on the podcast. Awesome. You bet. Thank you. Thank you.